0: The scene was dead anyway. A music scene lives, a music scene dies. The stories, however, are immortal. The scene was dead anyway is a look into the lives, communities, and music scenes that help shape an entire generation. Hello and welcome to The Scene Was Dead Anyway. I'm your host, Rick Walland. This is episode number 16. This is part two of the episode with Tom House. And we're talking about Charlotte Field. In this second part, we're gonna cover uh, the rest of Charlotte Field's discography starting from the seven inch ice cream vinyl and the second studio album, What Are Friends For? and then the third album which was released after they uh, disbanded and that was Make It Easy On Yourself and uh, basically everything in between so um, I hope you enjoy it and thanks for watching thanks for listening before we start if you're watching on YouTube please could you like and subscribe to my channel to help the podcast grow if you're listening on Apple iTunes please could you leave a review under the ratings and review section. You can also find me on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash the scene was dead anyway. You can also find me on Instagram. Instagram.com forward slash the scene was dead anyway. I'm also on Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash T S W D A. How are you feeling? We've been. It's I'm all right. Yeah, it's I'm coming fine. up to yeah, it's coming up to three hours. <laughs> We've been talking.
1: You're gonna have some editing today,
0: yeah. right? I'm loving it, man. Though honestly, it's I'm I'm very I'm very grateful that you you're spending so much time. Uh, with I'm me I'm really
1: enjoying it. kind of talking about it and thinking about it quite a bit in the last few days, and in preparation, just to make sure that I actually had some, you know. My, try and clarify my memory about it a little bit and make sure I can just sit here and go I can't remember um, <laughs> but it's really nice like it's really nice talking about it you know it's really nice having the opportunity to talk about it and and, and sort of re re-live some of these experiences because it was like it was really good you know it was a good time yep. Good, you've, good done
0: of, you've done a couple of you've done a couple of interviews uh one was with uh greg is it greg i don't know how to say his surnames neat greg neat, uh, greg neat mm. um which is the the photo we took of you kind of a port uh kind of portrait of you on a, on a train um
1: yeah i didn't know he was going to use that picture for it but it's a nice picture isn't it it's nice, <laughs> it's very nice.
0: you look great tom
1: <laughs> we were on our we were on our way well, it's just not like uh you know spent a lot of time on trains and and what looking at looking uh, pensive on
0: trains on the train <laughs>
1: on the way to gig or whatever and he, he and I were actually uh it was t- that was totally separate from the interview that was he and I were on on the way to our friend's wedding reception at the time okay um uh, that he took that picture and we, we were just sitting opposite each other in the in the train carriage just having yeah. a chat so, okay you know it was like and and he kind of just he snapped that off you know it wasn't staged and uh, yeah uh but i didn't know he was going to use it for the, for, the, for the i was like oh that's really nice you know like that's a love that's a lovely picture greg thanks a lot you know in uh, i didn't know he was going to use it for the article. did did you
0: ever do any kind of like formal uh band interviews or or anything like that um
1: yeah, I think we spoke to a few. We did like, we did an interview for Penny Black and uh, a couple of things. I did like a the phone interview. I can't remember much. Can't remember. I, you know, I. I like talking about it. I do. I, you know, I do like, like I always did like talking about it. But it's particularly nice talking about it now because it's such a long, you know, such a long time. Ago, so. Yeah, I
0: suppose you. Yeah. Yeah, it it changes, doesn't it? Like, as the years go by, your your uh, connection to your music it kind of matures and and changes, and that's how I how I feel anyway when I listen to my music from what I've created from a while ago.
1: Okay. Yeah. And what, in what way?
0: Um, I guess there's points where I've listened to my so Samuel Sharp is my main kind of project that I did with my brothers and I guess there were times We play together, I... right? Yeah, together. yeah. Uh, Oh, I don't know this is a question I wanted to ask you I think you played with uh, my Be- uh, Ben and Tom's previous band to Samuel Sharp in Brighton, yeah, the, beat poet. the beat
1: poet. Yeah, I think, well, I, I, for some reason, I remember first because I think I met Ben before I met you. Yeah, yeah, you did, you did. I think so, and yeah. I think we might have played together in High Wycombe. I don't know if I'm making that up, but Beat poet um, played
0: played a lot of gigs. Yeah, they did. They did a lot of. Show, I think they toured, kind of toured a bit as, um, and it, they played butt in Brighton, which was a. Yeah,
1: I well, certainly have been there then if that was if it was any time between like 2002 and 2000 yeah, that's, whenever that's, the spree closed like yeah we we were there a lot of you know I'm for, not sure
0: like, when when how long beat Poet were together but it was around that period so um
1: i don't I think samuel sharp
0: played played on the same bill as ah, okay. cuz that was uh we we formed in a 2006 mm-hmm. um so I guess took about two year period where we could have shared the same bill before you split up. Uh, right. But, right. Um, yeah. So um, let's let's go forward a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. So the next release would be, if I'm right, is uh, the seven inch release stand up. Yeah, the, ice the ice cream. The ice cream, cream
1: record. Yeah, Barney's artwork again. That's really,
0: cool. That's probably yeah. I think that's my favorite, uh, like artwork. I mean, out of all. Of yeah, them.
1: that's really it's really cool, uh, and just like the 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 color choice on the texture of the sleeve and everything just really really works. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, so this, uh, yeah, do you want to uh, tell us a bit about this one? Um,
1: yeah. Um, uh, well, the B side uh, is the. It's one of the best things we ever did, I think. Um, the B, uh, Can't stand up on the B-side, which was a song I'd like uh, done on the, I demoed it, um, giving it to the group with a, like a handful of other songs and said, you know, um, what do you think of these? You know, shall we do any of these? Mm. And it wasn't, it was one that I, didn't I hadn't really particularly earmarked or anything it wasn't like well, one that i was particularly um keen to do but i because mm. it was part of the latest bunch of stuff i just gave it to the gave it to the group anyway on you know on cassette tapes or played it so on a, off a mini disc or whatever and um and it was adam who picked it out adam adam said we should do that one and there. Uh, we wanted to do the A side. We wanted to do that as a single. We knew that was going to be the next single. And so we had to pick a song to go on the seven inch with it. And I, I, Adam said, let's do that one, you know? So we, 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 we learned it up. We actually, we'd only, I think like the recording of it is maybe the second or third time we'd ever played it all the way through, mm. you know? Um, so, uh, I'll play a little uh, bit. From, it's one of from the best. Us. I think it's one of the best things we did, and that's like, and uh, and it was Adams. It was Adams' choice, and he chose. He also, uh, we wouldn't have done the eleventh day on the first album uh, if it wasn't for Adam as well. He, okay. he chose. He chose that one, and that's that's some. You know, that's that's my wife's favorite Charlotte
0: song. <laughs> oh, st- the, so the the first one stand up, or or do you mean just the the whole seven? In, the whole
1: no, the B-side, Can't oh, Stand Up. Oh, the B-side, kind
0: of, that's her favourite yeah. favorite song.
1: No, no, uh, sorry, The Eleventh Day is uh, Noemi's favourite song, but it was Adam who chose uh, the song on the B-side of the 7-inch.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll play a little bit from stand-up, so the A-side. Okay, <laughs> the A-side, Yeah. <laughs> The bass, the bass sounds different. That's one, something that I noticed sounds, uh, a meteor. I don't know. Or am I just.
1: We recorded that one ourselves. Like we, we did the seven inch in the, excuse me. We recorded both songs for the seven inch in this really nice, expensive studio in London. Uh, but But then, um, the mix wasn't right on the A side. Uh, this kind of happened to us quite a lot. And I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to rip on anybody. But uh, the amount of times that we would do, we'd be in the studio, and we'd be trying to mix something. And there would be something like audibly wrong with the track. Mm. And you would be saying to the engineer, please, can you not do, you know, please, can you sort that out or do something about that? Yeah. And, and it just, and it,
2: um, you know,
1: and they'd say, well, yeah, but you can't, or, you know, or whatever. And you'd be like, okay, you can't, you can't fight every battle. We're on the fucking clock here. Let's just, yeah, yeah. and then you'd get the mix home and be like, no, I was right. You know, or we were right. In mm-hmm. this case, it was, it was, um, I'd certainly noticed while we were mixing stand up in the studio that it was like the, the whole mix was going through a compressor. And it was um, it was fucking up the dynamics of the song. Like it was getting to that middle part, and the bass guitar was being sucked out of the mix, like because every, you know it was com- everything was compressing, and it was so you just the bass guitar was just being turned down by the whole mix going through this compressor. Oh,
0: okay, okay.
1: And sort of saying to the engineer, "Can we sort that out?" And he's like, "No, no, it's like it's it's supposed to be like that." <laughs> like, <laughs> um, you know, and then getting it home and being like, we've got to remix this, you know, at expense to, in fact, Fat Cat were paying for that studio. So Fat Cat were annoyed with us because we were asking for more money to go back and remix the A-side of this single. And, um, and uh, kind of, I was annoyed at myself for not just putting my foot. And then we couldn't get in there in time to get the, the song remixed for the, for the, pressing of the seven inch anyway because we were like this was like one one time only that for some reason we were actually on a bit of a schedule and the oh. re- the label wanted to get the record out you know oh, like, okay yeah. the only time that happened so we like borrowed our mates eight track and re-recorded the a-side in the practice room so that's uh,
0: uh john wood is that
1: it was john Wood's eight.
0: tascam TTSR 8
1: yes because and it's, it was a lovely machine. We'd just done, um, <laughs> Ash was playing, uh, Ash was playing in, um, Akakak at the time as well. Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever heard Akakak? Uh,
0: yeah. I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, right.
1: it's a great name. Uh, a great band name. I got goosebumps saying their name then. Um, <laughs> and, uh, we recorded, uh, we recorded them in the same practice room. we'd just done it like a few weeks before. Um, we did, done a session in in the same practice room with that eight track and um got like we were we were like everybody involved i i wasn't in akakak i was but i was i kind of engineered this session with them you know yeah yeah they they asked They were like can you run the run the tape machine and help us out so we can play the we can worry about playing the songs and you just make sure everything's working you know Mm. um so we'd done that, and we were like, "Wow, this is like, like this. This sound is the sound of this machine is really good." And with these kind of with this limited selection of mics, and and in, and in this room, you know, we can we can get something that's quite satisfactory. So we we um we went and we did that song in the same way that we'd done the Akakak record, more or less. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and in the same place on the same on John Woods. Tascam TSR8, which he sold not to me eventually. Um, so am,
0: am I right in, in in thinking John is in uh, Lower Slaughter?
1: Yeah, yes. yeah, it's the same John Wood. Yeah,
0: same John Wood. Same John yeah. Wood. yeah. So uh, they came. Obviously, I had the episode with Barney, and his name popped up uh, in yeah. that one. Uh, let's play a little bit from from the from the B side. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't stand up. I love it man that's just yeah one of my favourites I think yeah I've got a copy of that yeah that vinyl in there, just next to me <laughs> yeah it's a nice
1: They're nice that's a I'm particularly pleased with that uh, object um, you know it just looks really cool and it's I think it's um. feels good as yeah, well the, like, one of the, the best things we
0: did like, tactic I don't know I remember it it's kind of got like a rough almost um what's the word what's the way when the letters are kind of popping out the uh, I can't remember what
1: the Yeah, you can almost see that the, the the ink kind of sitting that's on it, top that's of the it. It's
0: like somebody actually painted it like themselves yeah. almost.
1: Yeah, yeah um, it looks great, it feels great. I've got to say about I wanted to I said earlier on that uh that um Adam picked that song, which I think was like was a was a good I think he's got um great ears and also uh, I think um, I was thinking when we were listening to the A-side uh, which I'd kind of forgotten about really um, but uh, that's one of the songs where Adams uh, playing the guitar part that he wrote that I didn't you know and I can remember um, uh, sitting in my dad's utility room me and just me and him with a couple of little practice amps and uh, you know, for a couple of evenings working on, working on that tune, kind of writing it, writing the guitar parts together. Um,
0: that's nice. It was a, which nice. is a nice,
1: you know, it's just a nice memory because we were sitting in this room with, you know, clean washing, hanging up, playing scuzzy music, and, uh, yeah, it's, things yeah, like and, that. And he really just then, I could, you know, I don't know, his uh, guitar was really jumping out of the speaker, and it's it's great on that, his guitar part is really cool on that song. Yeah,
0: the, the reason I wanted to play the tracks to you to like mm-hmm. uh, is because I feel like it might evoke some memories, or, mm-hmm. you know, like I could just play the tracks in post-editing and, and you know, you, you won't actually listen to it. Uh, but I think now you're listening to it, it might bring something out and you'll be like, oh, it I remember that. Is, yeah. you know, certainly you know,
1: It certainly is, yeah. It certainly is bringing
0: stuff out. I might, I'll do, I'm going to do this more often then. I think with uh, a good, good Tim from uh, Part Chimp, I might play a few tracks to see what, you know. See if
2: that, that,
1: would I mean. that would be interesting. Like, <laughs> like, like
0: like he might be like, I hate listening to my own music. Turn it off. <laughs> like, you know, it could go down really badly. I don't know.
1: Um, nah. No, nah, it shouldn't be. He's all right, Tim. He's a Do, do you know Tim? Yeah, you, you, uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I spent quite a lot of time with Tim when he recorded the second Sweet Williams album, and
0: oh, great, uh, great.
1: So we became we became friends over that sort of. I mean, we knew each other, but uh, you know, we'd seen each other at gigs and stuff. Obviously, yeah, you know, same circle. A few times, but but yeah, we um, we became we became. I'd say we became pretty good friends around that time. Uh, yeah and uh yeah and a few subsequent a few subsequent uh pleasant evenings in you know fine company
0: there <laughs> <laughs> was a question about um, was there any gigs that you played where it was like sold out and and it was like, whoa, we're like you know this is we're kind of like big, you know charlotte fielder you know we're we're kind of famous, you know do you know? you know? No. no, not really. There was some.
1: There were some really. There were. There were some really satisfying experiences. Um, like uh, we played at uh, British Sea Power. Put on this all day. I can't remember what year it was. Uh, they put on this all day in in Fort New Haven Fort, and they invited us to play we were on sort of early afternoon um in this you know i think the whole place was something like 3000 capacity right but uh but we played in the early afternoon so um it was far fewer people than that you know uh were, were actually there and fewer still who were actually like at the stage there was some there was some um we had some some loyal friends with us and uh and a few like a few of the people who would come and see us in Brighton were there and were kind of you know knew that we were playing and yeah so maybe a few other folks who'd never heard of us who were curious or whatever we played to it was like a, it was a reasonable or nothing wrong with it at all but it wasn't three thou you know it wasn't three thousand yeah. people yeah. but we played on this huge stage and we didn't because of the nature of the thing we didn't have a sound check the um sound engineer came over to us as we were setting up one of the few times when we had like professional roadies on hand so you know when when we were like we want we were going to put the amps here and stuff they were like right and they would go and they just did it it was great wow was wow great.
0: That's, a, that's a luxury that isn't it
1: <laughs> yeah it was, that was i can't lie that was quite that was quite cute. and then um <laughs> The sound engineer came over we didn't know who the sound engineer was going to be but it turned out it was this guy joel who worked at the studio where we'd done the first album so mm-hmm. he he'd heard the record because he you know because of his relationship with the guy that had engineered it james and um and he was aware of the band he we'd seen him knocking around you know we'd, we'd cross paths so we were friendly with him and he kind of knew, he already knew the band and he was like, I was really pleased when I saw that you were playing because every, the engineers were working in shifts. So I had to do two bands each. He said, I put my name down to do you guys. Mm. So, um, cause I think, you know, I reckon I'll, I reckon it'll be all right. You know?
0: Yeah. I can get a good sound for you. Yeah.
1: So we started, we were like, okay, we we're starting with this particular song that starts one instrument at a time, uh, that he happened to know the song and he was like, that's perfect. That's just absolutely perfect, and and we started playing, and we played through this huge PA uh, on a quite a big stage. Like really, you know, usually we liked playing on the floor, and we like not having having to have monitors and stuff like that. But all of this shit really worked, you know. And it sounded good. It just sounded really great straight away, and we got to play like, you know, we played the rock songs, <laughs> we played the, the, more, the more kind of heavy rock rock songs and uh, uh, one of our friends came up afterwards and said it it sounded really good and he said that it felt like his name's Mark, he's a painter he said, I felt like I was digging when you were playing I felt like I was digging, digging my own grave (laughs) (laughs) yeah I really, uh, you know, mind mind digging, he looked really really pleased for somebody who was talking about digging his own grave (laughs) I really liked that That was kind of, you know, that's like, there was a compliment in there. Like a big gig that we did, you know? Yeah, I was going to say,
0: yeah, I suppose a lot of the gigs were kind of, I mean, very, very, very small venues. um, Not that many people, I suppose, maybe 50 to 100 uh, at most, would
1: you say? Yeah, Um, most of the time, yeah, yeah, most of the time.
0: Did you did and, you feel less
1: than fifty? Yeah. <laughs> As well. Did you ever but, yeah. did you
0: ever uh, like think about the uh, did you ever think I wish I wish um, you know this was sold out or was that just never came into your mind like oh it'd be great to play you know some huge venue like to like a few thousand people or something was there any of yeah, those kind of ambitions or did it it wasn't just.
1: Well, it's always the idea of playing to more people. And, you know, um, uh, the idea of playing to more people is always has always been appealing. You know, I would like to do, you know, I would I would like to do that. I have on occasion played to, uh, you know, slightly bigger crowds than I might be used to. And, and, mm. and it's, that's a lot of That's a lot of fun, you know. Um, I enjoy that. Uh, Yeah. But um, you know, you sort of think you you think about these things, and you you think think about what the actual conditions of them are, and you know, playing um, DIY venues to DIY crowds of like thirty people um, Mm. is. is a great experience in itself and like the, the sort of conditions that you, um, you know, the experiences that you have, uh, uh, doing that, uh, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to sacrifice those, you know, uh, so Mm. it's, it's a nice idea to play to more, to more people. You know, it's a nice, it's a cool idea to, um, to be able to do that, but if it meant sacrificing the type of experience and the type, you know, the type of experiences that you have and the type of people that you meet playing DIY gigs, you know, yeah, then yeah, I wouldn't, I would, <laughs> I wouldn't change it. But you know, I'm not, I'm not swapping that for anything. You know.
0: So I just thought about all tomorrow's parties. Did. Um, you didn't obviously. I don't think you played. You didn't play ATP. No, but no, we didn't. Was uh, was that something I think you we were on their
1: radar? To be honest with you, no. You know, mm. I don't. I don't think so. I don't really know how it kind of it, works. It. How they <laughs> pick the
0: bands and that. But I know that it's sort of like curating. Like someone would curate, wouldn't they? So yeah, well, um,
1: a lot of the time, yeah. But it would have been, you know, it would have been really nice to have been asked to to, to to do that. I would have liked to have been asked to play at ATP, but in hindsight now, I'm sort of glad. That we, I'm sort of glad that we didn't, because it, you know, I'm glad that we weren't. That we were never really, um, you know, on their on their radar or anything. Because it sounds like it was a bit of a shitty experience, to be honest.
0: Yeah, so what from what I've yeah, what I've read about how it how it came to an end was pretty nasty wasn't it I went to a
1: few I went to three ATPs and I never really enjoyed it I never didn't didn't really didn't really like it I prefer I much prefer you know the tavern in Wigan for example three (laughs) bands at the tavern in Wigan yeah
2: yeah.
0: I know uh, uh, which ones which ones did you go to do you
1: remember I went to the tortoise one in like 2000 or 2001 and the yeah. first band that I saw at that with the X, I walked in and the X were playing Dizzy Spells songs and I was completely blown away. Mm. The second band I watched was US Maple, who I didn't get at all at the time, but really got got into in a big way later and was lucky enough to see him again and kind of um, kind of get to enjoy what I just completely failed to pick up on the first time that I'd seen him. Yeah. And then the rest of the the rest of the weekend just really went downhill from there. It was, you know, it was. It was there was some good bands played, but there's the mm. whole uh, atmosphere of it felt so sterile and uh, controlled and stuff. I didn't, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah I like. I, I like. Like I said, I like. You know, well, Tumbridge Wells Forum or the Free Button in Brighton. You know, a three-band bill like that, and then uh... you know.
0: Yeah, I would say come would back say,
1: next week for the next for the next thing.
2: You
0: know, I would I'd say I had a that. similar experience, but the first one was um, first and more, two thousand six, mm-hmm. and uh, he the guy loves white noise and like most of the lineup was just white noise acts, and right. I got to a point where I was like, I just want to hear a chorus like four four, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's killing me, man. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Well, uh, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Godspeed in 2010, but that I mean that was good because Godspeed, love Godspeed, and and um, yeah, I got to see the X as well, and you know a few other bands like Deerhoof and that. You know they, they were always knocking about. So, uh, but I feel the same. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a. Pit- I I didn't really overall it was I didn't really enjoy the ATP experience. You know.
1: We got to watch Deerhoof from the side of the stage at a, uh, a festival in Belgium once. Actually, it was a festival that was held in a in like a kids' primary school, but at, at out of term. I think it was the Easter holidays or something. Oh, cool! It's, um, and we played uh, immediately before Deerhoof, and we got to watch them from the side of the stage. And they were doing, they were. Uh, I think the Runners Four had just come out, and they still had that lineup. One of the guys left the group after that record, but yeah. they still had him in the band. Yeah, one of the best gigs I've ever seen was that. You know, I like Deerhoof, but I'm not like I don't have any of their records. Um, mm. um, but I like, you know, I like them. But watching them play that gig from the side of the stage was was uh, was really uh, was really great. That's, a, that's another great, the whole, like all four of us were there and we'd been on tour for a couple of days on in mainland Europe and we hadn't been able to get any weed, but one of the guys from uh, Piano Magic had given us like, he, he like, had someone he would given us a tiny bit of weed that you know, he didn't have much, he'd get he, he us all he could spare and we'd rolled this joint, we were like, we can, finally we're going to have a fucking joint after we played, <laughs> smoke this joint and watch Deer Hoof from the side of the stage, yeah. uh, all four of us. And,
0: Oh the, yeah. They're great fun. live, yeah. Um uh, what I think she's called Satomi the singer. Yeah. Yeah. Like she just does all, the whole kind of uh choreographed hands thing and and then uh, is it a Greg I think think's the drummer. He's just a <laughs> mental drummer. Awesome. You know, uh yeah. And that, even the, the guitarist, I love his not. guitar playing as well. It's really great. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're an interesting. I and mean, they got like they're just, they're just they're, the music's really interesting. You know, the what they're doing is really cool. And when, when you see them live, that's that's it's great. It's just so inter- entertaining. And um,
0: yeah, oh, and a, they, weird, all... a, a weird like quick story. Like with the I saw, we saw him at uh, ATP um, and my mm-hmm. brother with my brother Tom, my middle brother him as well right yeah yeah he's kind of tall like me Uh, Ben's smaller than me and Tom Uh, but for some reason the drummer picked Tom out of the crowd because I think he was just like towering over everyone Yeah. and just started having a conversation with him like in the middle of the crowd and it was like they were just mates Uh, it was just just no um, they had no connection at all Uh, but it was just like one of those yeah memories that you have and uh, you know, one of the only few positive memories from ATP.
1: Um, it's pretty friendly music, isn't it, dear? If you, you yeah, you, it's yeah. Kind of nice to hear that they're, they oh, they're, they're nice. I think they're all,
0: yeah, super nice guys. And and um, uh, seeing seeing Kim Gordon bowling as well. That was that, that for some reason that Kim Gordon was, bowling. Bowling. I was like, she's just a normal human being, like everybody else, you know. She's this rock star, but really, she just likes to do a bit of bowling. So uh, that's yeah, that was another because it was at Butlin's. So you know, Butlin's had the whole uh, self-contained lovely. like entertainment park, or whatever. So
1: see, if I'd seen Kim Gordon bowling at ATP, I might look on the whole experience a little bit more more fondly. <laughs> <Yeah>. I think
0: <laughs> that's that shows how bad it was that I. That's the kind of. The, no man, man that's, good. <laughs> kim gordon bowling.
1: that's a great story just to just to just to pick you know the mental kind of image of kim gordon at the bowling alley it's yeah
0: like... i i mean i've i've never really listened to sonic youth properly and at the time i didn't really know the music that much and but i noticed there was like a little crowd gathering around her like she, so i was like oh she she's the uh She's the bassist from Sonic Youth, and she's bowling, and that was it. Yeah, she's. I walked walked away.
1: (laughs) She's kind of, she's sort of, I don't know. uh, She's more than, more than the bassist in, in Sonic. She's Kim, you know, Kim Gordon, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: she's got her own presence. As
1: yeah, this is like a, yeah, she's super cool. She's the coolest one in Sonic Youth, definitely. by a long by a really long way I think like all the stuff that all the Kim Gordon songs in Sonic Youth are are
0: way
1: better (laughs) (laughs) way better than the other guys I like them you know I like Sonic Youth but but yeah I mean she just the the stuff that she's on is another thing
0: I I certainly don't like um, First and music taste as I had to suffer a a weekend of it (laughs) So your so your second uh, studio album, uh, what are F- what are friends for? Yeah. Uh, released in um, two thousand eight, beginning yeah. of two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll start with the first track. We'll just play a little bit of that. So this uh where where was this recorded this album
1: uh, Purple Studios in uh, a little village called Traus just outside of Norwich um, in a converted church hall
0: that's it that's it with, yeah that's
1: it with a right character called Richard Hamilton <laughs> very Should. very funny man. <laughs> very lovely and funny man and Eaves who um Lawrence Eaves, yeah. Lawrence Eves, uh who uh I've actually been trying to try to get hold of him lately. He was a lovely bloke as well. Be nice to hear from him So
0: the so the thing that stood out uh, stood out for me was when I first heard this was the, the 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 roomy uh roominess of the drums. Uh so that would be the like you say, so it was like a uh, a basically a church was the what was the count what was the set was the, the church setting?
1: hall you know where you have like the village fate and stuff like that you know it was yeah way, the jumble sale it, but they they bought the the uh bought the building and converted it into a recording studio with a with a little room with a few bunks in it and that was um we really liked we really liked the idea of going out of town and uh, just spending a week somewhere else, doing doing a record in in uh, you know in one go, and uh, managed to persuade Fat Cat to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's great.
0: So so like like I was saying, the the roominess of the the recording was that. Um, did you like that? I mean that that's obviously different from from a from a how long are you are stayed because that's that sounds quite. Uh, a tight sounding uh, recording um, well without
1: well, got wanting to go sort of too into it too technically um uh, when we did how long are you Staying, all the amps were in the same room as the drums so we did have there are like room mics in the recording but you couldn't turn them up too loud because the guitars would start to sort of be a bit um a bit too not not present enough you know yeah. But, but when we did uh, this record the amps were all like in isolation cupboards so the drums had their own room you know the drums had the whole room to them oh, to wow. themselves yeah. and this it was quite a big part of the of the what was the church hall uh was was the was kind of the drum room so we were all playing in the same room together but with the amps off in the in these isolation booths we could the room mics for the drums just had drums in them, so when we came to mix it, we could really take advantage of that. You know.
0: So how how did you feel about that um, that record and, and the the recording and? The...
1: Um, it was it was hard again because we had some 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 of those uh, some of those problems that we eventually managed to fix. But I think like when we when we finally did. Uh, finish it um i think we were all quite quite pleased with it we all felt like it was like you know what we what we had set out to it's what we would we did what we we managed to do what we were trying to do more or less and then um, yeah
0: yeah yeah so let's uh let's play a bit of i think snakes is one that uh, pops out to me uh play a little bit of that uh, snakes Sounds like a fun song to play.
1: Yeah, it's it a lot of fun to play that song. There's, it's quite tricky because there's, the, there's the, um, the whole bit before the vocals come in. The, both the, uh, the drums and the bass are playing in one time signature, and both the guitars are playing in a different time signature again from each other, as well as the as well as the, the drums and bass. So it was it was quite um, it could be quite challenging but it was a lot of fun today. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I like, I think the, uh, the riffs and that, uh, that's the, the kind of chromatic discordant, uh, side of, of the, I guess the, we're talking music theory, like, uh, yeah. that's what always stands out for me. Uh, Charlotte field stuff as well. Uh, it really kind of comes through in that track. Like, oh, that's you
1: know, cool. That's cool. I um, think like I was. I can remember writing it in uh, in Be- in my mum's flat in Beck's Hill and being like, um, "It's you know." Re- took me a while to sort of search for those the right kind of discordance, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, and well, um, and just yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, Ashes drumming again, um, just uh, all the fills, man. I, I I just get I get off on off off on all the fills and that personally. <laughs> you just uh, nailing everything. Um, uh, so let's um as the the other track is the last two actually uh, freeze and backwards. We'll play a bit of freeze. I'd just, I'd just be happy just to sit here and listen to it all, you know,
1: <laughs> how um, awkward it well, seems. <laughs> hearing that, I've got to uh, have to point out that uh, it's um the whole song's based around this one chord that uh, my friend uh, John Richards showed me. It's like a particular type of A chord, um, which there's quite there's a few A B. Uh, is another one that's that's based around the same sort of position on the guitar, and it's, a, it's just he he showed me that chord. It has a, like a this kind of. I just really always really liked the sound of it, and um, yeah, couldn't help but you know but use it after he he showed it to me. Um, he's one of my favourite guitar players. Played in uh, Unhome. And then the reformed Joey Fat, when they reformed in about 2000, um, and still plays, you know, he's played in a lot of bands since then. He was in Hey Colossus for a while. Uh, he's still making music now, and um, just always, he's always been really, a really inspiring uh, musician. Yeah. Um, as well, you know, to, to hear what, he, hearing what he does and watching him play has always been inspiring, but also like knowing him and, and, uh, having, uh, the benefit of like, when I first met him, I was still a teenager. He was a bit older than me as well. And, and, mm. um, was really, uh, was a really good, uh, a really good sort of friend and mentor in a lot of ways. And, and, uh, so that song's kind of got, his DNA in it, yeah. very very friendly. That always makes me think of him when I when I, when I hear that one.
0: And like you said, you don't you didn't use any any effects. It was is it is the same with yeah, this album as well.
1: Yeah, fuzz pedals. Uh, like there's a couple of bits. There's a bit in that song I think, and in snakes. Um, there's a couple of bits where the guitar, you know, the fuzz pedals go on on the guitars just to get that kind of extra push to the dynamics. But apart from that, um, yeah, it's just like Adam's it's, that's Adam playing at the start of that song. His sound is just a, uh, just an overdriven amp. I think or he might have, he might've had an overdrive pedal or something to get it, you know, just to get a bit more grain out of it.
0: I think that, that's, that became, that became your sound, wasn't it? The kind of clean, uh, clean guitars uh, open sounding riffs and that's how, it, that was my impression. Um, yeah.
1: It seemed like, yeah, it, seem, it it does seem like other guitar players use a lot, a lot of other guitar players that I've played with or that I've seen play and use a lot more, a lot more effects and stuff, you know? Um, but I dunno why, I dunno, didn't really, just didn't really occur to us, I suppose. We didn't really, we didn't yeah. Like Adam used delay on one, one, one or two songs early on as well. But yeah, I think it was more, more just a case of that's just more stuff to go wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> so let's let's not let's not open that, uh, you know. Yeah, open that absolutely, cap. absolutely. I,
0: don't know, I think there's a there's a bit of a status thing as well with having millions of pedals and being like i've got more pedals than you you know there's like a bit of a you know novelty aspect to it as well um, yeah
1: i would really you know i really wouldn't i don't think either me or adam any of or chris you know or any of the guitar players would really know anything about that <laughs> 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 uh
0: so we'll play a, a little bit off the last track backwards mm-hmm. can't Think of a good place to stop that song. <laughs> you know <laughs> it's just uh, uh just the bit where your vocals come in, man. Oh just mm-hmm. the hers on the back of my neck. Uh, it's just so so fucking raw and like that uh that's the energy that I was talking about that really always came through when I used to see you live and it was like, God damn, I wish I could be that powerful <laughs> i don't know
1: <laughs> yeah <clears throat> well I've, you know that's a that's a uh, a young man shouting <laughs> that's that's it yeah i, I think that. that's a that's a young fella's game that kind <laughs> of thing um that song I, I, is like that's one of the uh one of the songs where uh, there was much more kind of um i brought something in that was kind of Pretty half baked, you know, and and uh, everybody sort of got involved on that one, and and uh, uh, put put uh, everyone put put stuff into that song. That, that's what really makes it good. That's that's a that's like a that's well, a, a real group effort. The the whole composition of that one. A Colour- proper um, yeah,
0: full collaboration, like
1: yeah. I was one, you know, we. Um, I think you know yeah and I think it's like one of the one of the best things
0: that we did uh, that, yeah I keep saying oh this song is my in my top three then I then I hear another song and forget that there's a <laughs> there's another song you know uh, yeah I, th- I think I remember you playing that one uh, live uh, that and, and just just the moment where Ash starts on the high hats with that kind of 16th note uh, rhythm and it's just like everybody just walks up so my brother walks up we all walk up towards the the stage and we know Charlotte Field are about to start you know because of that opening little bit there and everybody's just like right here we go
1: Uh, yeah, you, really? you're you're taking me back. I've certainly I remember that. Yeah. Do you remember, <laughs> remember that? Remember, yeah, like a wave. I, yeah, of people. I feeling like that. You know, it's a good... like a
0: wave of people just approaching the like, kind of where you were set up, and then yeah, it was like we were all ready. That, that
1: was <laughs> always really really nice. I remember like setting up to play at one gig at Punts in the park and in a Derby and thinking, you know, that there weren't that many people there. It was outdoors, round about sunset, really nice park and sort of being turned around fiddling with my aunt trying to get everything plugged in and turned around expecting to see, you know, a couple of folks. And there was quite, you know, for us quite, you know, I don't know, like 50 folks or whatever, you know, and thinking, wow, there's you know, it's actually people are they're all like, they're waiting for us to start. And that was a nice, um,
0: nice feeling. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really nice feeling really cool but that was like a bit you know literally turning around from the amp and being really surprised by by uh, a group of faces you know and just thinking all right yeah. it does make you you know it starts things off really well you're like right okay let's get stuck in then it's a good thing uh,
0: so did one i think i read that one of you would face away from the stage
1: uh we used to always face when we started like at the beginning partly because of nerves and stuff we used to always face uh, away from the audience sort of almost deliberately and then um, obviously apart from ash uh, <laughs> yeah. and um, yeah. but then uh, sort of later on it became more about like the um that we'd, we were sort of facing each other. So we sort of turned sideways on a little bit more and I sort of put the mic a bit more to, to the front. Cause I felt like if I was going to sing, then I should at least sort of people had sort of said, Oh, it's really rude that you've all got your backs to the audience. And I, I didn't really necessarily agree with that, but I thought it was fair enough, you know, to at least sort
0: of make a, make and... a compromise, uh, yeah. Try and
1: make an effort, you know, to sort of, and then, you know, so that became the thing then, but, um, it was all, like, we didn't really need eye contact to play the songs. Everybody knew where they were in the songs. You know, it wasn't like we had to cue each other in really at all. Mm. Um, mm. But being able, but facing in towards each other and being able to have eye contact with each other really uh, did something for the playing. You know, it did it did something for the, The kind of connection, the the connection between between everybody when they were playing. So, you know, that was important to us. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how we liked to play. That's 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 what we did.
0: So, so this this was uh, just this was released just before your your final final tour uh, European tour. Mm -hmm. Um you didn't know at the time you didn't know that that would be your last tour
1: yeah i didn't i think other people in the band might have might have known
0: oh you see okay <laughs> all right yeah uh, so yeah. how how so tell me a bit about yeah the the the, the tour um uh, where, where did you play which uh, countries and
1: uh it was great the tour was really great yeah uh, it was loads of fun. the Longest tour we did, uh, so I was really happy. I really, I really liked playing every night. Um, for the most part, I was really happy. Mm. Uh, you know, it's hard being, you know, being on tour can be hard. And there was, yeah. Well, anyway, for the most part, I was. I really, I really enjoyed that whole tour. Um, I think we played as well as we'd ever. You know, we were playing really well. Um, as well as we'd ever played and we got to we were out for three weeks Uh, one whole week of it was in Spain um, with Picore who we'd first met the year before when they invited us out to do a couple of gigs with them Uh, so we came back, we got to spend a whole week with those guys Um, that was really exciting they were playing a lot of new stuff already from the previous time You know, they had a whole new set of stuff that was really cool and uh um uh yeah i think that's my sort of abiding memory of it is the spanish part that was really uh that was really great
0: where where else so what other countries did you play
1: um uh france we always we always had a pretty good time in france as well um it's difficult to separate the memories of playing on that tour from from other times that we might have been there because we did we did go a few times I think um, uh, the Netherlands played a new track. I think we played a new track twice in total, and that was always really fun. There was a cool mm-hmm. promoter there called Herben. Um Who we really liked. We just we really liked that guy. Um, Played in Italy. Uh, We only ever played in Italy on that tour. Did a couple of gigs there. That Uh, was real. Do you remember which uh,
0: which cities? Or
1: yeah, we played in Verbagna, and we played in Rome. And I remember it being really funny in Verbagna because we got there late. We'd had to drive down. Drive down through Switzerland. Okay. So I think maybe we were coming from Strasbourg or something like that. Um, long drive and we got there late. And when we arrived, the, the, the people who worked at the venue and stuff were really keen to get us to sound check, They were, were helping us move all of our stuff in. And so we were in the, under the impression that we were in a real hurry and that we'd really, like, you know, that we'd kind of let them down a bit because we were late and stuff yeah so we got the sound check done super super quick time and then um and then they were like right it's time to eat and then we spent an hour in a really really nice restaurant over the road eating like th- a three-course meal um that was just like super super delicious and uh italian and food man yeah. we totally to- totally relaxed it was like okay you know so people were like oh okay uh well, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we, ha- then we went and played and we probably played one of the slowest gigs, I think we've ever, we ever played because uh, everyone was just like really full because we'd had just this like amazing
0: food, amazing... food comas like
1: yeah. during the gig. Yeah. I, sp- I
0: spent, I spent a lot of time in north, north of Italy and yeah, the, the food is some of the best food I've ever, I've ever eaten. It's just incredible
1: um yeah yeah it was well that's the only time i've I've been there and it was you know uh
0: so uh yeah so you came back from the tour and uh so w- the band the finished.
1: The tour, <laughs> really quite a funny story because we were we finished uh the spanish part we were here in Zaragoza, and uh we were supposed to play like three more gigs in france on the way up through on the way back up through France to get home. So we had three more gigs going. We left Zaragoza the morning after our last gig with Coro We'd had a really nice week with them. We'd celebrated. We'd sort of seen it all off uh, the previous night in the appropriate fashion. Uh, and um, we were on, well, on our way, we thought we were on our way to France and about an hour outside of Zaragoza, the van broke down. Oh, classic. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't possible to get repairs because it was Easter. it was the start of Easter weekend. It was like Easter Thursday. Um, and everything was closing. Everything closes in Spain for Easter because it's like, it's bigger than Christmas.
0: Right. Um, right.
1: And, uh, um, so everything closed and we couldn't get the van repaired. The only thing that the, like John had to get, John Wood was driving us and he oh, had yeah. to get, he had, so he had to get the insurance involved and everything, and the van had to be towed, and we had to be flown home. So we, we were waiting in this service station in um, in Zaragoza for uh, Danny from Picore to come and pick us up uh, and take us back to the place where we, you know, we would just set, set a kind of, you know, a fairly... Um, you know, quite an emotional goodbye to these guys that we toured with for the last week. And then, you know, then we sort of turn, turned up back there without oh, a We were sort of, that's it. And, and uh, we got, yeah, we had to get flown home. And then John had to fly back out uh, when the van got repaired and drive that home. And it still had oh. all of our shit in it. You know, oh. we still, luckily, like as the van was being towed, we, 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 like for some of us, it was a lot, we like shit, right? Fucking passports in there, you know. and uh, um, yeah, we, we wouldn't have been able to get a hold of it. So, uh, so yeah, we just about managed to get out of the van. What we needed to get home, but all of our guitars and our amps and the drums and stuff were all in the van. So, oh. and that took two, two more weeks to arrive back in, in, uh, in England. Um, and then there was a couple more, couple more weeks after that. Uh, and um, we did one more gig in brighton and uh supporting an old-time religion at the albert and then ash quit the next morning <laughs> so
0: yeah i was going to ask you when when was when was the last uh, the last charlotte field show and that was it was it
1: i think it was at like april or may 2008 i would say about april 2008 because because that tour was in march and i remember that geek being you know just like a few weeks later
0: so you so said that you said it was uh, the Albert in Brighton that was your last the final show. Um, mm-hmm. But I suppose that wasn't that wasn't the plan. <laughs> uh,
1: no uh, well I mean I you know I was already like we just you know we'd recorded we'd recorded some stuff we had we had a record with the third record we had not quite finished that you know um
0: Oh right that was in the pipeline.
1: Yeah that was still in the pipeline and, and uh and I'd written a bunch more songs that I was sort of, that I'd already started kind of showing to the other guys in the band, you know, sort of, do you fancy trying some of these out and stuff? And, and uh, um, yeah, so, you know, for me, it wasn't, it wasn't planned at all. I thought that the band was, I thought that we were carrying on and stuff. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but I think it had been on Ash's mind for a little while that okay. that, um, that he needed to, you know, he had to. I mean, like I said, the commitment, everybody's commitment to the band was pretty was was pretty strong, you know. Everybody, nobody could take a regular job. Nobody could go to university, you know. Yeah. Um, it's like I think everybody had made everybody sort of made that choice while we were doing the band to that that was the thing that we would everybody would just drop everything to play a gig to Mm. 30 people for you know less sometimes for less money than it costs to get there you know Mm. Um, and it's a pretty you know it's a pretty big commitment to make so uh i think you know he was like he wanted to he wanted to think about other things you know you wanted to you wanted to look at other aspects of of,
2: uh,
1: of life and uh,
0: uh, so yeah and so that was that was uh that was the end of the the shoutfield story um
1: well not quite but um but yeah uh, yeah that was sort of yeah that was it and that was
0: it but you but you did actually release as you say this that uh, this uh, you know the third album after um after you split up and, mm-hmm. um, uh make it easy on yourself yeah uh so so the cover for this is uh a bit different as opposed to the other two um, yeah
1: yeah it's not barney 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 didn't didn't do the cover for that one um which is a shame I think you know mm. uh, but for one for one reason or another I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly why but he, he wasn't up for doing the doing the cover at the time
0: uh, and that, so that that was actually released a couple of years after after you finished so 2010? Yeah,
1: yeah was that was it then I, yeah maybe uh, it might i thought it was 2009 but you
0: might
1: be right um it just took a long time like we, 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 we finished it off shortly after we kind of broke up we got together and mixed it and stuff and and um it was it was sort of ready to go for quite a while, but it just like all things, it just took a long time to really come together. You know, uh,
0: yeah. Let's um let's play a uh, play a one track uh one 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 zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I remember you playing this. Uh, say I remember you playing this live at um club Academy in Manchester, and uh, it just uh, yeah it stands out in the memory. Where was this one recorded then?
1: We were, um, we went back to the granary, uh, the same place that we did, like fittingly enough, given that it ended up being the, the last uh, record. Um, we went to the granary in uh with the, with an engineer called Guy Denning. Um, uh, same place and the same engineer from the from the first sessions that we did that were on that um on that first fat cat single so that was really nice because it's a cool cool place to be uh, and it's really fun recording with guy um and we more or less did that live in the studio uh so we did it sort of we just went in for a couple of days during quite a busy we were playing a lot like in, in the lead up to that last tour on mainland Europe, we played quite a lot in in England as well. Um, We kind of had a weekend and just went in and they were were all songs, they sort of songs that we've been playing for a while, but hadn't fit on either of the first two records. So it's sort of weird uh, mixture of stuff. But I think, uh, you know, I think it's kind of nice. Um, I like the first song on that record a lot, which Good. is another one that's um, it's like the only song I've ever I ever wrote in that in the in the time of the band that you could just play on guitar and sing. You know, you, the song would exist with just one guitar and uh, singing, so I, I didn't have like parts to parts for anybody else. Uh, so everybody like everybody kind of did. Play a, if we had uh, if we had carried on playing, I would have really liked to have explored a bit more of that kind of that kind of thing because I think it was really interesting. I and mean, we were just sort of getting started in that in on that in that respect.
0: Play a, a really little like bit of um, yeah the first track free, free hand I feel like a lot the 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 Sweet Williams stuff is kind of feel a bit like that's a kind of precursor to would you say to some of the
1: yeah I mean certainly me and um, me and Adam played carried on playing together a bit after um, Adams out like Adams playing on that absolutely beautiful by the way it was really nice listening to that. yeah, i mean ever you know oh, yeah sorry um uh yeah we carried on playing after that and uh uh very much sort of the early the, the first stuff that we did was kind of um you know when wasn't quite sweet williams yet but it was, but adam was 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 in the kind of early incarnation of it and it mm. it carried over into that and i think it sort of seeped into the the particularly the first couple of sweet williams records mm. uh that that sort of atmosphere um yeah yeah that feeling
0: uh we're, we're, we're getting we're getting to the end now uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> be, uh so we, we, we've been on about four hours now uh, it's great wow. <laughs> <laughs> So the the last the kind of last couple of questions, uh, one of them that I, I'm really interested to know about is, is this uh, you did this reunion gig, uh, so mm. so, uh, so four years on from when you split up, so 2012, mm. uh, Ed Edge World, it, that's the name of the, this record store in in Brighton, yeah. um, and it, it was it was closing so. Uh I believe Barney but uh, Barney said you, you approached what what was the story you told me? There was maybe some
1: I don't know who approached who really, but I've got a feeling I think it was Ash's idea um okay. to do it. It was, it was uh Colin Wakefield who ran Edgeworld, who we were talking about earlier on. Uh ran Edgeworld records. He had uh eventually he got a shop in Brighton. I think in about like nineteen ninety seven or something, he opened a shop, yeah. having been selling records out of out of the back of his car for years, um, and uh, uh, that lasted until uh, two thousand and twelve, but about fifteen years, I think. Wow. Um, uh, which and uh, this shop was like uh, Ash and I both. Uh, worked for Colin Ash for some time Um, uh, um, and uh, so he was closing his shop and excuse me too much too much of this stuff. Um, (laughs) He was closing his shop and Barney, uh, Colin's son, uh, wanted to see it see it off in the appropriate fashion because this shop was it was wasn't just a record shop it was like the the hub for a lot of activity um a lot of the, the kind of diy bands colin was also promote and still does uh promote uh he pro- still promotes gigs in brighton um of uh, you know all the kind of bands that we've mentioned mm. along the way have played for colin um
0: It was called... And it was, you know,
1: you could leave your flyers there. You could put your gig posters up there. It was a real hub. So the fact that it was closing, it deserved a proper, you know, uh, it deserved a proper send-off. So Barney arranged this surprise party for Colin in the West Hill Village Hall. Oh, nice. Uh, And I think it was Ash's idea. Barney thinks it was my idea. Ash probably (laughs) thinks it was Barney's idea. So
0: when Ash comes on, I'll ask Ash who... who (laughs) We'll get there in the Um, end. We'll find out who, who instigated this reunion.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, um, certainly when it was, as soon as it was suggested, uh, everybody was keen to do it. Everybody said, yeah, let's do it. Mm. Um, It's good. It's a good thing to do. You know, Mm. it's the right, it was the proper, it seemed like the, you know, the proper way to,
0: so, so you you hadn't played together right. for a for a, for a few years. So, I, I guess did you have a couple of rehearsals before just to yeah blow off the cobwebs and uh, we did yeah.
1: Uh, just just which look, were very fun. sorry, which, what did you say? Which were really fun. It was really nice. It was really nice to be back in a room together. You know,
0: it was like the yeah the old gang back together.
1: You know, indeed.
0: Uh, you were kind of like maybe we could just carry on, guys. You know, let's make this. Uh... <laughs> What do you think, Ash? <laughs> you know.
1: Um, yeah, I don't know really. I think, I mean, I definitely would have entertained the idea if some, if anybody else had said, "Let's let's let's do it." But let's I restart, was already yeah. I already started doing Sweet Williams. Yeah, I would have definitely, I would have definitely entertained the idea of doing a few more gigs, but didn't really seem like. Yeah. Um, it didn't really seem like we needed to, you know. Mm. And, and it was, mm. you know, we we wanted to play for Colin because. Um and you know and for and for that kind of, and for all the people who were there at that particular party, for that, because it was a community, you know, we wanted yeah. to, we wanted to,, uh, felt like you know, it just felt like the, the right way to, you know, Felt like the right thing to do in that in that situation. I don't think we would have. I don't think we would have done it really for for any for any other reason. I don't think we would have played again at that point for any other for any other reason.
0: Do Do you Um, remember that? Do you remember the night and and like when you played and how you felt and? and...
1: Yeah, I remember being really hammered because what (laughs) happened was it was that it was like it was the evening after the last the very last day of the shop so um and i was the one who was tasked with getting colin from the shop to the west hill hall which is not a um not a, you know there there's no reason why he would go there you know mm. So I had to I had to basically after the sh- after the shop closed for the last time I went to the pub with Colin. Colin was under the impression that everybody was meeting him in the pub. So mm-hmm. I took him to the pub. He thought everybody was going to be there at the pub. He was a bit disappointed. I was like oh there'll be a long in a set Colin don't worry, you know. Meanwhile I'm getting text messages on my phone can you hold him for another like can you hold him for another 45 minutes? So, so, <laughs> so I got uh, I got pissed with Colin, you know, while we were waiting. Oh, lovely. Because I was I was nervous. So I was fucking guzzling the booze, but trying to keep <laughs> a, trying to keep a sort of a straight face on, you know, trying to, trying to not let on to Colin. And eventually they, um, and also trying to figure out, how am I even going to get in there? How am I going to, it's like, what are we going to do? You know, nobody had come up with any ideas. So eventually mm. I just said to him, right, come on, we got to go. You know, they, they said, right, you can bring him now. And I was like, right, we've got to go. And he was like, where are we going? And I, <laughs> so I'm not not telling you, but you know, you're just coming with me. And, um, we got to the West Hill hall and it was all blacked out. You know, we, I got him in a taxi we got up to the West Hill hall. It was all blacked out up there. I was like, I'm sorry, Colin. We've just, we've got to stop in here. You know, we've got to stop in here on the the way to where we're going. Yeah. So I'm sure he had like some kind of ink. He says he didn't really have much of an inkling of what was going on at all until like the very last minute, which I find quite hard to believe, to be honest with you. Mm. But but, uh, so we got there and I opened the door to the hall. And instead of going in myself, just kind of grabbed him and shoved him in closed the door and just heard the whole room uh, kick off you know um i can't remember if they sang he's a jolly good fellow or if everyone just kind of cheered at him or whatever but there was you know there was like a few hundred people there wow. and uh, so it must have so i didn't get to actually see that uh, um that particular moment because i was on the other side of the door just going oh thank god for that <laughs> got thank him here yeah. <laughs> yeah i've got him here <laughs> and then so i went i, I left a respectable amount of time and 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 uh, walked in uh, ash was on the deck so when the cheering died down he put uh, if you leave me now by chicago on on the decks which got a big which got a big laugh uh, <laughs> yeah and then i walked in and saw colin just sort of standing there with this sea of people all kind of looking at him and stuff he's pretty stoic colin i thought he might have i thought he might have had a bit of a cry but he didn't he was completely yeah
0: maybe, maybe inside scared. inside he had a cry you know he looked happy you know
1: he looked really <laughs> pleased and surprised but he kind of yeah he, he, uh, so he,
0: the, the the Charlotte Field uh, gig was before all this uh, I'm assuming because you weren't hammered when you played played the no same. no
1: it was like then we then then um, then there was like uh, so we got there then Ash DJ'd for a bit and then mm. uh Polk's played uh, oh, yeah. Barney Wakefield's band played yeah uh, and then I, f- I, I can't remember, I think we played before Ryan being good. So I don't, I don't think we played last. I think we played in the middle. Yeah. And, uh, Colin said when he saw us like setting up the amps on stage, he thought that we were just setting up for, for, um, for like the next band that we were all just helping out. And it wasn't until we actually like put our instruments on that. It was like, oh, it's, uh, Charlotte Fielder. Oh, play.
0: wow. And, that was a good feeling.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: it certainly was. Yeah, it was oh, good. Lovely. That was a good. That was a good gig. Awesome. Um, so uh, I've got. I actually, I actually have uh, a question from uh and A. Q&A. So I, uh, you know, I put out some <laughs> some things like, oh, do you want to ask Thomas Thomas House a question? You know. Um, so one of them was uh, from a guy on um on twitter but but we've already we've already covered it uh, he he's called alex Corpse tucker i don't know if you he's on twitter anyway he he wanted to know about what your experiences of of growing up and being involved in the kent alternative scene uh which i think we've covered haven't we so
1: uh, um, yeah but um uh yeah i know who alex is um oh you know him yeah yeah i know alex uh, well, he was one of the, he was, uh, he was in on home with John Richards, the guitar player I talked about earlier.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah.
1: So that group was like, um, that group was really inspirational to me. Uh, as I kind of covered earlier on, uh, mm. not just John, the whole group, like every, everything about that band, um, and to a lot of people, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, the other folks who were going to gigs at the forum around that, that time. Um, yeah uh and like honestly being able to being a part of that um bunch of people kind of i said before about going going to see did i I think it was yesterday i talked about going to see joey fat what was that today i can't remember now but yeah. being welcomed into that community of like musicians diy musicians who were playing in these great bands but were also like uh uh they had time for us like for the for the for the young like kids who were coming to the gigs and stuff mm. was like it was a great experience you know that um i learned so so much from it just from watching the bands and from hanging out mm. with them and uh, mm. uh talking to them about music really shaped my ideas about music and about mm. life all of those all of those guys yeah alex john um Jay Dorman from Joey Fat he writes all the music in Joey
0: Fat and stuff. Yeah. I, I do apologize we didn't we we didn't really talk a lot about cuz you, you'd played for a, a number of years in Joey Fat um uh, uh, that mm. was at the si- same time really as as, as yeah. you know Shelfield. Yeah. So we talked a bit about there was a gig at the Brudenell Social Club in Leeds. It was a mm. uh, Chinchilla Fest and that was uh, so you you played uh, Charlotte Field and Joey Fat back to back on the same hill <laughs> yeah
2: uh,
0: and then bill I don't think, think it was back to back
1: that time I think we had a bit of a gap oh a bit uh, of a gap a yeah that was gap, it but, but so I definitely all... did do back to back gigs at on these
0: ones all the bands that I can think right now were played that gig. so you had like uh, Bilge Lords Lour- uh, yeah uh, that was when I saw Lords as well um, yeah that was a that was a, amazing I remember going and just being like, this is a treat. This is, you know, like all these, (laughs) everybody from the, almost like the whole like UK DIY scene, you know, uh, all playing on the same bill. Jesus, that was... There were a lot of good bands
1: around for a while, weren't there? I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, there's always, there are always great bands around. So, you know, you just, you know, by saying, oh, you know, and and when we were doing it, you know, there was so much more. You just sound like an old fart when you do that. (laughs) They're always really great great bands around and you've just got you know uh tap into it you know you've got to go and find out where they are uh, yeah. look for them but uh around yeah. that time I think um I said, yeah there were, were a lot of really great that was there mm. were a lot of really really great bands playing in in the UK in the early well in the, yeah in the early part well the the 2010s which was when I was, you know, when I was doing the most, of, doing it more than I've ever done it since. So I, I had the benefit of being exposed to them. Um, yeah, but I feel, I feel like I must be pretty lucky in that respect, like in terms of what what other bands were going on around that time because they were, yeah, there were some absolutely cracking groups.
0: It was all happening. Um, yeah, you know, as I mean, that's how I. Th- think about it you know cause, uh, the time was right um so another uh this is from my brother actually uh ben from ben ben scott ben Ben's got. is it, one of them's a, one of them's a statement like a like a comment he said uh, uh he once told me he loves compression and I was of the opinion that compression ruined things tell him I get it now
1: Ah, well, I get it now. <laughs> Tell him I get it now. You'll um, watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, I did. I really did like uh, compression for a bit. Um, <laughs> I'm a bit uh, a bit more circumspect about it now. But yeah, It can be good. It's like anything else. It can be good if you use it right. Yeah. Um, we might have overused it on a couple of mixes or whatever. But, and I told you earlier on about that. About the the hideous misuse of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that ruined a song um, at one point. So yeah, and, that, and well, uh, tell, him, tell him I get it now.
0: <laughs> he'll be watching. He'll watch this. So, um, okay. And the, the the question he had was, if 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 he could join any band, past or present, who would that be?
1: Oh. <sighs> Charlotte
0: Field <laughs> just like a a doppelganger of yourself in Charlotte
1: Field uh, I just I wouldn't I just wouldn't change I wouldn't change it uh like I wouldn't change the bands I've played in um mm. I've been really 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 lucky in that in that regard uh, I, I would have loved to play uh, in Charlotte Okay Field. let's take it in the spirit it was intended <laughs> if I could join any if I could join any band like a, yeah, a, any band. A band that I think that I'd be like oh being in this band um maybe the four carnation or the breeders either one of those i think i'd be pretty good in the breeders if kim deal ever like breaks her arm and can't play um you know the rhythm guitar when she's you know and she needs somebody and i could do that i reckon i could do it not quite kim deal but um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I'd, you know i'd love to be in the breeders that'd be a great band to be in
0: there we go. That's your that's your answer, Ben. hope you're satisfied. Um, <laughs> 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 last last question, Tom. Um, free records that change your life.
1: Okay. Well, I've seen you've been asking uh, people about this, and so I've uh, I'm prepared. Yes. Um, uh, I'd like to talk about. F- I'd like to list three records that have changed my life in more recent times, because it's quite easy to just go for the, the obvious sort, of, you know, never mind or whatever. But, um, so uh, a few years ago, I was DJing with uh, uh, Sweet Williams guitar player, John Griffin in Brighton. And he introduced, he played a track by a band called New Kingdom, who are a kind of psychedelicish hip hop group from the mid nineties from New York. Um, mm. So I couldn't get the album on vinyl. I bought the CD of it instead. And uh, we listened to that a lot in the car. There's a lot of uh, video footage somewhere of John driving Sweet Williams to gigs with uh, New Kingdom playing um, in the van. It's a great record. I missed it at the time in the mid nineties, uh, but uh, discovered it you know, because of John few years later called Paradise Don't Come Cheap by New Kingdom. Really, really just, uh, such a cool record, such a great atmosphere all the way through it. Every track's a winner, uh, really kind of, um, it's pretty far out and it sounds like a bit aggro at times, but it's actually, it, but it's kind of, you, you get the impression that they're on this kind of whatever trip they're on, they want to bring you along with them and it's, uh, that's, that's a great record. That really, that genuinely kind of reopened my ears to a lot of things. Um, second one uh, was um, Angel Olsen, Halfway Home by Angel Olsen. A few years ago, I was cleaning and grading a record collection for a friend uh, who wanted to sell it. And um, one of the records was Halfway Home by Angel Olsen. Uh, which I listened, I put it on to check the condition, listened to it in full, and then kept the record for myself um, because I was completely blown away by it. I think the the writing on that record is uh, is beautiful. The songs are beautiful. the The, the words are uh, excellent. Her voice is amazing. Her performance on that record, the production's lovely, but. Um, it's really about the songs and her voice. Uh, just really, um, a couple of times in my life, there's been albums that have really, you know, I don't, re- I don't try and emulate Angel Olsen as a singer, but when you hear her singing those songs, for me, it makes me want to be a better singer. You know, it yeah. makes me. You know, it's just, it's just, um, yeah, I, 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 I love it. Uh, that's a that's an amazing record, and it, and it yeah it may, it makes me want to be a better singer. Um, and uh, uh, the last one uh, will be uh, "Tumbling Towards a Wall" by Allah, which I think came out in at the end of 2019. I discovered it at the at the, uh, the beginning of last year. Naomi and I had had quite a difficult year in 2019, and we finally arrived back here in Zaragoza, uh, mm. and um, we're just sort of starting to get settled down. And uh, and I needed something to kind of reset my brain from from the year before, and that uh, that album really uh, really did that for me. It was like I, I got hold of it. I, Got it off band camp and played it on my headphones all the time and uh and it was it's it's beautiful it's totally beautiful and i remember that that time just before the pandemic hit yeah the first couple of months of 2020 um kind of resetting my brain uh with this uh beautiful record it was um it was a good that was you know i was very happy for you know, kind of in this in this weird sort of slight state of of bliss, in spite of the year that we'd had, and um, mm. and that mm. record was kind of the soundtrack to it. It was uh, yeah. It was, that was so that's heavy. three
0: records that I need to check out. Uh, because yeah, I've I've not heard of them, so thank I'll hit you. you up with yeah. the
2: news.
0: Well, uh, that that that's pretty much it, Tom. Um, I just yeah, I'm so. Grateful that you you spent so much time with me and and um,
1: oh, thanks man I've, I've, it's been it's been lovely talking to you
0: thank you um, and so if if you're okay we, we maybe uh, if you, in a couple of months or so we can we can um, we can do another do one do it all again <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, we we can talk about uh, sweet Williams and and like because obviously there's a there's a huge amount of time there. Um, that we haven't covered
1: more, more than the same amount of time again, (laughs) but a lot less has happened, you know, like it's been a slower thing. So, you know, yeah. So we'll we'll talk about um,
0: all about sweet Williams and 2010 uh, to, to present day. Um,
1: Yeah. I look forward to that.
0: Great. Um, Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And thank you for watching. I just want to say a huge thanks to my guest, Tom house, He spent about four and a half hours uh, with me on Zoom, um, going through the entire Charlotte Field discography, answering all my questions. And uh, I just, um, you know, I can't thank him enough. I feel so grateful that um, he gave me that opportunity. And um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed the the two-part series. And um, Tom will be on uh, another show um, by Joe Thompson, uh, Wrong Speed Records. Uh, I believe he's uh, due to release uh, an episode with Tom, and uh, that uh, that series is basically speaking to people about their um, you know favorite records and stuff. And uh, that's just started up by uh, Joe Thompson of Wrong Speed Records. So I will link him, and uh, yeah, Tom will be on his show soon. So if you want to carry on listening to Tom, it's the place to go. Next episode to be released is with neil jarvis of sprinters and that'll come out next monday the 5th of april uh, sprinters are very much your shoegaze kind of stuff so if you're into like beach house and deer hunter um, you'll like uh, this episode uh, neil's also from from wigan um, and uh, yeah they've uh, they've released a few few albums and uh, we talked to about a few songs from, from each album played through them and uh, yeah it was a great episode so that will be out next Monday 5th of April if you're watching on YouTube please could you like and subscribe to my channel to help the podcast grow if you're listening on Apple iTunes please could you leave a review under the ratings and review section you can also find me on Facebook it's facebook.com forward slash The Scene Was Dead Anyway. You can also find me on Instagram, instagram Instagram.com forward slash The Scene Is Dead Anyway. I'm also on Twitter, twitter Twitter.com forward slash T S W D A. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching. I'm your host, Rick Walland, and you were listening to The Scene Was Dead Anyway.